Thank you, Mike. Thank you, church. Thank you, friendly faces. I am really glad to be here today. For those who were here last week, um, Mike kicked off our series on thriving, not surviving, and he well-equipped you in the art of forgiveness. So if today does not go quite so smoothly, you will definitely forgive me because he gave you all the tools you needed last week to do so. My husband is cameraman, and he was like, move it to the center. So here we go. All good? We're ready? Okay, so I just want to kickstart. For those who don't know me, my name is Christine. Um, I have been going here for the past six years with my husband, Xander, with a few of our children, three of them. And we uh, are going to be brought into eldership next week, which is very exciting in the life of our church alongside Zara. Um, And so it's just one of those funny things where I was like, okay, some people, you might not know me. Let's get to know me in this quick little moment. Um, Because today you do have me, you do not have one of our other preachers who all bring their own style, their own kind of things. But I feel like the one thing that I've got going for me is that I'm not that dissimilar to you guys sitting right where you were because it was not that long ago that I sat in those very seats. And I am someone who at times had my very stubborn arms crossed across my very stubborn chest thinking, hey preacher, don't even try to get me to do something that I don't want to do. So I am like, okay, I know that's where you're at. And today, unfortunately, God is going to ask you to respond. So let's do this. And actually, just like prayer upstairs, you guys should come along in the mornings if you have time, 10, 15, it begins there. But God just in those moments was saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And I was like, I can do that because it is absolutely going to be nothing about what I say right now. I am simply preparing for what he wants to come and do in this place. So how did I get here? on this stage, not necessarily preaching, but just like, how did I get to this point in my life? I am going to tell you very quickly about my 90s Christian upbringing. Um, I did the classic, coming a Christian at five, came to church every day, every night with my parents who are here. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. That's good celebration. Um, I grew up in the Bible Belt that is Balamina. I don't know if you've been there, but it's pretty Christian. So I grew up as a Christian, like actually plenty of Christian friends and definitely some non-Christian friends. And you know, it was my job as the good Christian to pray for their souls, to pray for their issues, to pray for their needs, because I certainly did not have any, of course. That was my thinking. Externally, I could talk the talk and I could certainly walk the walk, but internally, I'm pretty sure I was pretty spiritually blind. Um, I'll fast forward to my 20s. I was married to my best, I say was, I still am. We're married, happily married, but in our 20s, little young us, um, we had a lovely business going. Again, I'm still praying for those Christians, you know, who need God, because I I already had him, I didn't need him. Um, And then we came to a new church, a new church that championed the kind of honesty that made me squirm in my seat. Um, People could and I love you guys, people looked a little bit rough around the edges because they shared. They shared with this kind of honesty that just scared me and that made me think, what is going on with them? But yet, these people who shared and they showed up on the bad days and they shared their struggles and they shared exactly where they were at, they actually had a lot of freedom on their lives and they had a lot of joy in them. And I was like, that doesn't, I don't have a grid for that. What is going on? Let's fast forward to 2020, COVID. Um, I'd been exposed enough of this kind of honesty to start questioning my own heart. So in those days, when God caught my attention in the quiet, he asked me to spend time with him. And I did. I could feel his call and I started to give him my attention. And in that, he asked me for, his obedi- or for my obedience to him. 
Again, that kind of obedience was what was going to make me squirm. It was going to throw me out of my comfort zone. But I was ready in those days. I knew there was something more. And so I said yes. That was about four years ago. And there was definitely no overnight miraculous transformations on me. It, is, it has been a long and it still is a long ongoing process of obedience. And there's been plenty of disobedience along the way from my heart. Um, I had to keep moving forward even when I struggled. I had to say yes even when I didn't want to. I didn't always understand the why. Why do I have to do this to get there? But undeniably, God gave me the chance to notice him. So I drew close to him. I began to learn who he was and he is still teaching me to trust him and him alone. Obeying God has just opened me to that same kind of freedom that I find in other people, that same joy that I saw in their lives. So I say to you now, God might ask you to respond today. You might struggle with him and wrestle with him and kind of not like me for even planting that little seed in your mind today, but I can only encourage you to respond in obedience. So we are going to open our Bibles in Exodus. I think anytime I'm on this stage, I like to mention Exodus. I love it. I've been doing the Bible in a year, but it's taken me about 250 days just to get to Exodus. So that's where we are. <laughs> open honesty, guys. It's good. Um, Exodus chapter three, if you guys want to open um, and follow along with me, it'll be up on the screens as well. Um, we're going to go from one to 15. I was going to get a little bit out, but I kind of think it's important. So let's just roll through it all. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet for the place which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and I have heard their cry because of their taskmaster taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of, the, out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites and Hivites and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress him. Come I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that, you should, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, God said, but I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you when you've brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve the God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Thank you. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. 
This was Moses' first encounter in a really real way with God. This experience was like a really important part of his journey to obedience. It's where it all began. And this adventure for him of saying yes just threw him into God's purpose and God's plan for, for us all, but for him in this moment. So we all know Moses. If you've been in the Bible at all, you know his greatest hits. He parted the Red Sea. He led people out of Egypt. He saw manna and rock. He saw water come out of a rock. He received blueprints for a tabernacle. He was given the Ten Commandments. We know all these things because we're on this side of the Bible, but we're going to go back and rewind to Moses at the burning bush, his first encounter with God. It was a spiritual experience. We hear that word and we think, yeah, yeah, that's just for the Christian elite, those super holy people. God appeared in a strange way. That's never going to happen to someone like me. We all kind of think if he did that, if he showed up right now in a little bush in front of me, I might take notice. But anyway, God chose unlikely people to to meet. And it was all that thing that I want to just highlight that it's always the extraordinarily ordinary people that he chooses. They are different in terms of their race, their class, their gender, their abilities, their temperaments, their moral compass. That doesn't matter to God. He just likes ordinary people. Um, There's no typical type, but one writer did make this observation about the people who seem to walk on a kind of high road of spiritual living. Um, He said um, that they all, sorry, this guy said that they all had a spiritual receptivity. Something in them was open to heaven, something which urged them onward. They had a spiritual awareness and they went on to cultivate it until it became the biggest thing in their lives. They differed from the average person in that when they felt the inward longing, they did something about it. They acquired the lifelong habit of spiritual response. They were not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Moses lived this life of spiritual receptivity. He cultivated a spiritual awareness and it all began at this encounter at the burning bush. So within Moses' encounter, I want to focus on five main things. Moses notices God. He drew near to God. He learned who God was. And that's really important to learn. Moses had to depend on God instead of on himself. And he responded in obedience. So what can we learn from these in our own response to God? Number one, Moses noticed God. How often do we let our own circumstances dictate whether or not we notice God? We enter the story... Um, of Moses and him walking in this desert. And what we forget is that there was this 40 years where just before he had murdered someone, he had fled his hometown, he had left all that he knew, he had been a prince, and now he's this shepherd moving sheep. He was in a circumstance that certainly probably didn't have um, much um, hope, I guess, in thinking, oh yeah, what's God going to do with my life? Pretty rubbish circumstances if he spent too much time dwelling on them. We find him just in the middle of an everyday moment during working hours, moving his sheep. So verse two said, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Moses did not have to stop. He was busy. He was on the move. He had places to go and people to see. He could have thought that it was inconvenient seeing this burning bush, or he might have even thought that looks a bit dangerous. I'm not going to go near that. He could have had his eyes on the ground and he could have missed it. He could have been too busy complaining and grumbling about poor old me, 40 years, here I am. What, what's the point? He could have been shaking his fist at God for the circumstances that he found himself in. But Moses noticed God. God shows up in all of our lives and he gives us the chance to notice him right in the middle of our circumstances. 
but we can be guilty of letting our circumstances dictate whether we notice him or not. The good, the bad, the ugly circumstances of life, we sometimes give them too much focus. The good in life sometimes looks a bit like self-sufficiency. Sometimes we're so financially secure. We have a great family. My job's amazing. We don't really have much need for God. We're just a bit busy enjoying life to sit up and take notice that he is there. Sometimes the bad in life looks a little bit like bad news. You are facing tough and rough times. Sometimes family life is a struggle. You're maybe feeling directionless. You maybe felt like you'd be somewhere different by now. We can be so busy gazing downward to look up and notice that God is there. The ugly kind of looks a bit like Moses' situation. You've messed up. You've made bad choices. You're having to live in the consequences of those things. And maybe this year ahead, 2024, you're maybe sitting there thinking, zero prospects. What have I got to look on? Maybe we don't even want to look up and notice that God is there because things are so bad. But God is in an undeniable burning bush in your midst. Do you need to notice where God is right where you are now? We can often say that we'll get there. That used to be Xander and I tagline for life. We're like, we'll get there. We will get, we'll get there. We really, we really helped us to like just settle us in some moments of life. And eventually God said to us, where's there? Where are you trying to get? This is where I want you right here, right now. Stop looking to there because it might, you might not get there. It's fictitious. And I'm not saying that to be hopeless, but it's, it's just a reality. We just have to focus on the now. Stop trying to get out of where you are and just see what God is doing in where you are. Thank you. Is God wanting you to sit up and take notice of him for the first time in your life right here, right now? Is he wanting to get you to notice him in the mundane? And is he wanting you to notice him in the middle of the good, the bad, the ugly? Number two, Moses drew near to God. We see in verse three, and Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. If we do feel like we see God or that we've noticed him in our midst and we hear his voice, what do we do next? Do we answer like Moses? Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Do we rush forward? Or do we more likely or more often kind of ignore him? Do we promise, oh God, if you speak to me that next time, I promise, I promise that's when I'll respond. Or do we put it off? We've got things to do. We're busy. Let's do that stuff first and we'll totally get around to him next. Does that ever really happen? Moses shows us how important it is not just to notice God, but that we actually need to choose to draw near to him. I read somewhere just about the difference between the presence of God and the manifestation of the presence of God, and it was described like this. God is here when we are wholly unaware of it. He is manifest only and when, only when and as we are aware of his presence. On our part, there must be a surrender to the spirit of God, for his work is to show us the Father and the Son. If we cooperate with him in loving obedience, God will manifest himself to us. And that manifestation will be the difference between a nominal Christian life and a life radiant with the light of his face. There are two little things about when you draw near to God. Number one, you need to choose to do it. It's an intentional decision and you've really got to commit to it. Back in 2020, when I was kind of talking about, maybe I didn't talk about it, I'll talk about it now. In 2020 was a really just pivotal time in my life where I really felt God, I did say about it, quiet time, let's go. We, um, we just had to make a decision, like life had shut down, 
Church wasn't happening on the regular. Community did not look the same. Yet here was this full day where we got to choose what do we do with our day. And now we had two kids at the time. I was heavily pregnant with our third. But we just chose to carve out this small time in our day. We called it chill time. We did hand screens to the kids. And it didn't always work. They did like to come down in the middle of it all. Um, Sometimes when we were spending that quiet time with God, that's okay. When you're praying for patience, God teaches you by sending your children in in the moment to give you a really, a really big moment to actually practice what you preach. But um, I just felt like I had to choose to draw near to God. And in that moment when I did that, God honored it. He said, you want to spend quiet time with me? Let's go. Let me show you. Let me teach you in these moments. It did feel quite miraculous that it worked. I wouldn't have imagined so in in busy family life, but it is a non-negotiable now. It's one of those times in my day where people say, hey, can we hang out with you between this time? And we're like, sorry, that's chill time, that's quiet time. It's just a time, as best we can, that we try to set it aside for God. Um, It is in those times that he will build you, he will refine you, he will shape you, he will take you and mold you just the way that he needs to. The second thing about drawing near to God is the flames of the burning bush can get hot. It can get uncomfortable. The light will illuminate those things within you that God might be asking you to change or let go of or renew. But that proximity to his presence, it will begin a new process if you allow it. It might be painful, it might be uncomfortable, it might be a stretch and it might be a struggle, but it will lead you somewhere new. And I really believe, again, using the same thing, that you can experience more adventure, more freedom, and more joy through the process of drawing near to God. Point three, Moses learns who God is. Verses five and six, then he, God, said, do not come near, take off your sandals, off your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Moses doesn't really get who he's talking to, so he says, oh, who will I tell the people of Israel that has sent me? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Can we say that we truly know who God is? We do sing the songs, so we know the words that we can put to him. He is holy, he is worthy, he is mighty. But do we know these things because of our own personal experience with him and our own personal encounters with him? Or do we just, do we just know it from here or do we know it from here? I genuinely believe that unless you begin to learn, so through experience, who God is for yourself, that you will struggle to respond in total obedience. Why is it so important that we do know God? God reveals himself all throughout the Bible to the point where we could never stop learning about him. He's, in, he's inexhaustible in who he is. Isaiah 4:28 tells us, have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. When Moses said, I am, that word was like this never ending word, literally like I am on and on and on, on and on and on he goes, eternal power and unchanging nature. It's really important to know that who he is so that we know who we are responding in obedience to. We are responding in obedience to the one who created all things. Romans 11 verse 36, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. He is a God who holds all things together, the good, the bad, the ugly. Those circumstances in our lives, he holds them all together. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's from Exodus 34 verse 6. 
Do you know these things about God for yourself? Have you experienced that mercy, that love, that compassion? Your obedience will be firmly cemented in knowing who God is. In an article online, they described Moses' encounter with God in this way. Moses moves forward, afraid to look on God's face. This mix of awe and wonder is another mark of a true encounter with God. Before the power of God, we are undone. Serving the Lord starts with God being holy and you being humbled. This feeling of being drawn to God's mystery and yet frightened by his majesty, that's a sign that you're dealing with a true God. I encourage you that once you have taken notice of God and you've chosen to draw near to him, that you begin to ask for his help in just teaching you who he is, learn about him and his ways. Point four, Moses had to depend on God. Verse 11 and 12, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. Probably the most relatable verse in the whole Bible, who am I? I had a lot of who am I wobbles leading up to this little moment here. Who am I, God? Who am I? Who am I? The moment that we see God asking us of something, we're quick to wobble. I'm not smart enough. I'm not brave enough. I'm not anything enough. Insert your own answer here. We give God plenty of why nots, why we're not capable of this. But God's response was this. It wasn't about building Moses up. It wasn't even about him or how good he was. Oh, you're amazing. He said, I'll be with you. Our last point is about who God is. And that's what we have to remember when we're thinking about this. Depending on God is so important, but you need to know who he is so that you can depend on him. It's really good to know who he is. It's never about our abilities. It's about who God is and what he will do with our obedience. One writer says, God isn't looking for our ability. He simply wants our availability. The Lord can do so much with a willing heart and obedience to his word. He will always value strength, courage, and obedience over gifts and talents. Preach, preach, preach. You see, other people say it better than us. That's why we use quotes. Um, Paul reminds us, when we are weak, he is strong. God didn't need Moses to believe in himself. He needed him to remember who he was and that he was the one going to be sending him on the mission. When we notice God and when we draw near to him, we begin to learn who he is and that will absolutely help us to depend on him whenever he asks something of us. You will be sure that he will ask something of you. So will you be obedient in your response? Moses responded in obedience. The plan of God involves God's people. The call of, the call of God in Moses' life was ultimately terrifying, yet it was somehow irresistible. Despite his fears and his worries and his insecurities, Moses obeyed God. And now we see it. Again, we can read the Bible and see it all in this lovely few verses. And then Moses did this and then he did that. We forget that there was a lot of process in the middle. But through his, his obedience, he got to experience God in a way that not very many other people ever have or maybe ever will. Obeying God built Moses' character and leadership, especially on those hard days. Don't know if you've read much about the Israelites, but they were big complainers. They were big grumblers. Moses really had to dig deep probably to get out of bed some days. It really deepened Moses' relationship and intimacy with God. There were times he spent 40 days on a mountain just in the midst of God. His face shone with his glory. It was pretty um, powerful. Um, And obeying him changed his heart and it just propelled him into this life of adventure. 
This is another little thought um, that I read in a devotional on obedience. Jesus Christ will not force me to obey him, but I must. And as soon as I obey him, I fulfill my spiritual destiny. My personal life may be crowded with small, petty happenings, altogether insignificant. But if I obey Jesus Christ in the seemingly random circumstance of life, they become pinholes through which I see the face of God. Then, when I stand face to face with God, I will discover that through my obedience, thousands were blessed. When God's redemption brings a human soul to the point of obedience, it always produces. If I obey Jesus Christ, the redemption of God will flow through me to the lives of others, because behind the deed of obedience is the reality of the Almighty God. Obedience will almost always take you out of your comfort zone. We have taught our kids this and have to live by it ourselves. There's a lot of times we're going to be afraid, so we say be afraid and then do it anyway. So what does the burning bush look like to you? Is God right in front of you, prompting you to notice him? Maybe you've walked past him, too busy with life to notice. Or maybe you've had your eyes too much on your circumstance instead of having them fixed on him. Maybe you're ignoring him intentionally, a bit too angry to even want to see him. Maybe you've never even noticed him before, but you're starting to feel. You're starting to feel like he is here and he's asking you to notice him in this moment. Would you notice him and draw near to him? Is it a sound that you're hearing, something that you're like, oh, kind of just sounds like my own thoughts here? Or is it God calling to you out of that bush? The burning bush was a strange sight. It probably didn't make sense. Actually, I'm nearly sure it didn't make sense to Moses in that moment. Why a bush? But that's how it can look for us. Sometimes it's just something that we just have to go with. Is he doing that today? Could be just a little niggle. What is he calling you into? Is he asking for your obedience, whether you understand the full picture or not? Is he asking you to lay something down? Is he asking you to recommit yourself to him because you've been running in completely the opposite direction from him? Is he asking you to do something that scares you, that doesn't really make sense from your point of view? Remember Moses and how he looked at his own abilities. God only needed his obedience. Is he calling you to go deeper and deeper and deeper into that unknown with him? God never promises to change your circumstances when you're obedient to him, but he does promise to grow you through the process if you'll trust him. The burning bush will 100% look different to you than to the person sitting next to you. So if you are going to respond, this isn't one of those times where you look to the person to your left or to your right to see how they're going to respond to God because it's not about you and them. This is only between you and God and what he wants to do in your heart and in your life in this moment. This response of obedience is between you and God. Can I have... Um, the keys, um, I didn't even see, lovely, Miss Rachel, would you mind coming up and doing your thing? Um, I'm, also, I'm also just going to ask the prayer team to come up. I really feel like today is one of those days where, do you know, we can finish church, we can sing a little ending song, and then we can all go, ah, shouldn't we be? Oh, well, I'll just leave it. But I really feel like this is just one of those moments to just sit and be, to just take a little moment, you and God, and just see what's going on in your heart, in your life, in your mind, in this moment, what is God trying to teach you specifically in this moment? So the prayer team are at the front. 
They are extraordinarily ordinary people. There is nothing that they will say or do that isn't just coming through God himself. All they want to do is just partner, partner with God, ask the Holy Spirit to come and just see what, what that wants to, what that looks like and, and maybe just reveal something in that moment. But this is a big moment in obedience. And I know that. I used to sit in the school building that we once upon a time um, met in. And I remember all the calls forward like, they, come on, this is your time. And I'd be like, no, no, it's not. But actually, it was a very long walk from the back of the church where I sat right up to this point. But you know what? Who cares? Sometimes it's worth just doing. Sometimes it's worth not thinking about that person next to you. Sometimes it's important to just go, I don't even really know what I'm going forward for. But it's an opportunity. It's a chance to take notice of God and what he wants to do. So I do, in preparing for this sermon, I did kind of feel that there might be just a few different people um, that God wants to highlight um, in this moment. I do feel like there could be um, those who are feeling that undeniable call that God's been maybe prompting you for a little while and you didn't really quite know what to do with it. He maybe even is highlighting what he wants to do and he just wants to say, now's the time. Now's the time to, to take that little step of obedience. No holding back. There might be some of you who are sensing that there's something new being placed on your life and it scares you. You don't know what it is and you don't know what it looks like. The idea of responding makes you squirm and the idea of being obedient makes you feel way out of your comfort zone. I feel you. The reminder to this group of people is that saying yes is just the beginning of the process. No overnight transformation. You might come forward, have a lovely prayer moment and then walk out feeling totally normal that's okay. That's what God does. He just asks you to respond in a moment and then on you go and just watch and see what he does in the rest of your life, little by little, step by step. Those are the kind of moments we've got to dig deep and it's worth saying yes to. And then there's maybe some of you who have maybe already said, hey, I've had my burning bush moment. I've had that encounter with God a long time ago. And you know what? I've been obedient. I have been obedient for a long, long time. And maybe you're feeling weary. Maybe you're feeling a little bit burnt out. Maybe you're feeling like, I think those promises that God gave me all those years ago, I feel like he's forgotten about me. And what's my obedience worth anyway? And all I want to do in this moment is just, God's been putting this on my heart for a while. But those things of obedience sometimes, yes, we all want to do things obediently and see the stuff ourselves and kind of get to experience the goodness of our obedience. But sometimes our obedience in this moment It's for the people coming behind us. Sometimes it could be your family. It could be people that you don't know. Your obedience in this moment could change. It could change so much for someone else. And whether you see it or not, I just want to encourage you that it is so totally worth it. So I just want to pray. And why don't we just stand together? I know it feels weird to stand when you're not about to sing a song, but I just want to encourage you to just pray. Pray your own prayer to God. I want to encourage you that if you want to come forward, do it. Nobody's watching. Nobody cares. I certainly don't. Just give yourself, give your yes to God. Be obedient in this moment. Father God, we praise you for who you are. And today we just really want to sit up and take notice of you in our midst. God, we want you to teach us what it looks like to draw close to you. It will not look the same as someone else's. It will not look the same as me carving out a little bit of time in my day. But Lord Jesus, would you just grab people's attention and draw them so close to you? Would you help us see who you are, Lord? When we say those things about you, would you cement them so deeply into our hearts, into our minds and into our souls that that's the place that we respond from, knowing who you are? 
God, would you help us to just trust you, trust you when we don't really understand? Would you help us to just obey you, respond to you, um, and just watch and see what you do? Lord, we thank you for those that have gone before us that have been obedient in their call. And I thank you for how this church stands um, just on the back of people who have been obedient. But Father God, we just welcome you in this place. We say, come and have your way. Come and have your way in our hearts and our minds today. We praise you and we love you.